Welcome to Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Sports fans, golf fans, or just fans, welcome to another Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon. Max, I, I hit golf balls today for the first time in Connecticut. First golf ball I hit as a resident of Connecticut in 2021, the ball broke. That can't be a good omen, man. Crash. Was that cold? Yeah, no, it, 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 I think it was a bad ball. I'm going with a bad ball. And I also, for everybody out there that's going to say, oh, the 400-yard drive guy, it was a lob wedge, and I was just chipping the ball down the fairway, but it the ball broke. So I was about to say, it's very on brand if you first swing was a driver just <laughs> – straight out the straight straight to the range straight out the bag driver rip it and then tell everybody how you busted a golf ball open on your first swing on the east coast you know i i think christina kim does that i think her i think she starts her warm-up with driver first which is that's uh, tough my i'm i mean we're two a couple old guys now so you know you're back i don't have a or something like that. no shot how are you I'm good, man. It is not as cold here. Uh, it is lovely in uh, in the Phoenix area. Uh, just been getting ready. Everyone's actually here this week. Uh, we had a, a pro scratch called the Twin Fin or Johnny O uh, at Greyhawk. I did not play, but it's here. And then everybody flies from here typically to Hawaii. So we've had everyone from the PJ Tour uh, <laughs> at TPC lately. So it's been nice to see some some friendly faces played with Spencer Levine today. Hadn't seen him in uh, that over a year. Great. Oh, he's the best man. He's like the biggest heart on the planet. A game looks good. Um, he said he's going to do some Mondays before the, the corn fairy season starts. Hopefully he gets in. Um, what was the heater count at? What was the, how many? No, he quit like, like five, 10 years oh, ago. Or no, five years ago. Yeah. Oh, that's that's no. really sad. I'm, yeah. I'm really disappointed. Yeah. I was happy, but <laughs> You're a bad influence. All of my old school golfers that smoked um, and they all have quit. It's, it's like, you know, this boom in healthy golfer as a golf fan, I think I'm, I think I've preferred it in the nineties when people were just kind of a little overweight and just went to the bar after it just oh, for sure. nothing else for personality and story-wise. Yeah. We played with Michael Allen as well. And, and Michael, you know, is from that era. And he was talking about, he was asking me questions about how like the dynamic is on tour now with the guys. And I told him, you know, it's sure it's not like your dynamic was, uh, <laughs> it's still, you know, a different kind of fun, but yeah, it's definitely changed a lot, but Spence still had the pleated pants on. So, uh, um, a boy. And he forgot a hat today, so uh, the hair was flowing. It was honestly a very good aesthetic. Uh, speaking of aesthetic, is this a potential? You're, I mean, you can't. Nobody can see this uh, that, that's listening to this podcast. But uh, I know you recently have, have joined the the Foot Joy team. This is a uh, excuse me. This is a a, a hoodie. Uh, I want you to always go hoodie, always all the time. Can you? Can you? You can wear a hoodie on tour. Yeah, you can. You're allowed. Uh, it's it's in the bylaws. You're allowed. Um, you can. Also you am rocking. Uh, you can't see it, but I have a mullet right now. <laughs> can you turn real quick? Can we see? Oh yeah, you need it. You, you Lacey's not gonna let me keep. I'm getting a haircut tomorrow, but I did rock it for like five days. It felt good. Um, I don't know if I look any better, but uh, it was fun to try. I guess. So, all right. So you had a whole bunch of tour players there. Who else did you play with? What were the games like? I know you said you didn't play in the Greyhawk event, but I mean, are you? Are you playing every day with somebody new? 
No, I've been practicing a lot, but uh, Taylor Gooch was out here. They they have a tournament called the Malapeno Invitational, and Invitational is important. Um, and every for the last three years or so, they've come out to uh, Scottsdale in the winter, right around this time of year, uh, before Taylor gets going uh, for the season over to Hawaii. And uh, it's like all his best friends, and they become my good friends too. And uh, they come out play three or four days of golf. Uh, for them, it's, it's a big drink, drink-a-thon. It's pretty right. impressive. I've competed in it once. This year, I, I've been on a dry January, so I just played. I did not participate in the fun part of the, the competition. Uh, their new, newcomer, Jared, he got last, which means which was smart because he, he does have to carry a purse around for the rest of the year uh, the, whenever they are all together. However, it did get him a, a automatic invite back to the next year's Malapeno. So it was a very clever move. The winner, for the first time, it's been Taylor every year, the first two years. This year, our buddy Caleb Price won. It was fun to see him win. I played with him the final round. Uh, they, uh, they're they the best. It, it, was, it was cool to see, to see uh, Taylor and, and all the guys. Um, but other than that, I haven't played with a lot of people out here. I've just been practicing quite a bit. But I mean... I mean, everyone's getting ready uh, to come out. I saw that Wills Altors was there a couple of days ago. Uh, Tom Hoagie was there. I think he played in the Twin Fin. Um, and that's going to lead me, Shane. I got to get to a flight early because I, I go. I'm, I'm into I it. I teased it on Twitter. Uh, you said something. If anybody's at Kapalua had ever made an eagle to win, a walk-off eagle, or how many there had been on tour. And I told you that there's something much, much, much better. So the best shot I didn't see someone hit this week, but it has been confirmed. At the Twin Fin, it's a two-man pro scratch or uh is it pro am no no it's a yeah it is it's a pro am so pro scratch uh no strokes no nothing uh the seniors so, so play you, from, you you and i in theory could have played it we could have played it okay. yep um and I, i've played every year like i said this year i didn't um but it's a really fun event at greyhawk uh gets a great field i mean like tons of tour winners tons of tons of really good players uh drew stoltz a friend of the friend of ours friend of the program sleaze as some people like to know him where uh is on the golf subpar podcast his partner andres gonzalez who's everyone's favorite person uh we're <laughs> partnered up and 18 uh at greyhawk is a par five and uh dre hooped it for double eagle uh or an albatross if you're stuffy to win by one to win the whole thing by one so walk off double eag see you later on yep and he made a hole in one in the practice round day two days prior um, yeah Hot play. How's this game? This How, is unbelievable. And he just won the Monday qualifier today for Hawaii. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So he's on a bit of a heater, boys. So, so I, listen, we're not we're not a gambling podcast, but nope. if you want to throw a couple shekels on it's him, just I information. It's not it's not a, it's not a bad call. Do you know what he hit in? I mean, what, no what idea. I need to get the full story from Slees. Um, but it, I'm on a big group chat with a bunch of the uh, guys around here, and uh, we got a text from Colt, and it said, oh, my God, I think Dre just made a walk-off double eagle to win by one. Uh, and speaking of the twin fin, Ches Reeve made another hole-in-one, and if you're keeping kind of folks home, it's gotten kind of difficult. That's 24 holes-in-one for Ches Reeve. <laughs> Get better with your irons, bud. Why, why, do we even, why do we even try? 24? 24. Shout-out to Kobe. W- what are you at? I think I'm at seven. Which is bananas. And he's pretty good. He, yeah. I mean, like you need to have a, f- a few more lifetimes to, to, oh, to yeah. reach. Yeah. I ain't hitting 24. I know that I haven't made one in forever. You've talked a lot about Ches Reeby to me and his driving. And you've just said, it's ridiculous to watch him hit oh, his yeah. driver. It's, it's so straight. His iron play is better. I mean, I've only played with the guy yeah. one time ever. And he shot 64, uh, which was, which kind of ho-hum at Dobson ranch for him. But I mean, is it, is it that good with the irons? He's good at everything. Obviously he's had a really good career and he's made, I don't, 
I'm not looking it up, but he's made a bunch of money. So he's obviously good at a lot, but he is, I would say known for his ball striking just in general. He's just a, he's just a ball hitter. You know, he, he, he can put it on repeat really easy. Um, he seems to always play, you know, one, two yard draw and it's incredibly predictable. And it's like, it's pretty well known around Wisbrock, especially, you know, in a, in a desert course, if you play with Chez at Wisbrock and he gets the putter going at all, like you, you kind of, just kind of watch. It's kind of fun to watch. I know before the U S open last year, I think he shot 60 or 61 at both whisper rock and silver leaf that week. And then he went on to get, you know, a top five, I think at the U S open top 10. Um, he's a, he's a tremendous ball hitter. Um, he's good at everything, obviously, but I would say that if he, even if he said it, he would probably say those are the thing. That's the thing he's known for best, but, um, yeah, he doesn't seem, he seems good with a nine iron all the way to a driver. Uh, it's pretty special to watch, but 24 holes in one, it does take a bit of luck, but I think it helps when your ball is almost always going directly at the hole. That's that. I mean, I need to, you well, gotta you try know, that. I've, I've told you what I'm doing in 2021, right? I told you I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to try to hit, away from every flag on every uh, okay tiger well, no but then my point is is that i i've tried this other way for 37 <laughs> years that hasn't worked so i might as well try something different maybe i'll pull or push one and it'll get lucky and go in um are you itching are you, are yeah. you getting to that point where you need to get on the road and play some golf i'm very over this i did i still am glad i'm not going to hawaii just because it's a long trip but i am ready ready to rumble <laughs> i would like to go play some competitive golf i feel like we've been just kind of twiddling our fingers for the last week or so but it's also good you know get a little extra time to um practice and, and get everything uh settled but um i don't know it, it's good I, i'm excited for you know i'm starting in palm springs i'm excited it's the same climate as here um you know should be great weather shane how's the first week uh of fame been for you uh well you've been I mean, all over my tv yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, if you got Golf Channel on and you were going to be on, you know, midday, you're going to see it. Uh, it was a it was a wild week. It was a ton of fun. But, you know, our first show was on Wednesday, Damon and I, and about an hour and a half before our first show, which we planned out and we'd had segments and people were going to come on and we were going to do hits here and stuff there. And the Mike Wan news breaks. And so we have to basically rip up the entire rundown and our first ever show. I mean, it was it was really fun because again, you're having to kind of fly by the seat of your pants, if you will, in, in that space. And I hadn't got the chance to do that in a really long time. I mean, I haven't had a studio job in, in really since the back nine network back in 2014. So uh, it was really fun. The, the week was crazy. There was a lot of stuff that happened in the world, a lot of stuff that happened in the golf world. Uh, I give a lot of credit to, to, to kind of our bosses for allowing us to touch on it and talk on it. You know, we, we talked about the the ceremony with with Gary Player and Annika, and uh, we touched on you know an entire A block on on the JT co- you know comedy. Unfortunately, said it at the Century Tournament of Champions, and you know I mean I I don't think that's an easy thing to tackle, especially for two people starting the job their first week. So I, I was I was I was very I was happy that they allowed us the opportunity to speak on on things that we wanted to speak on. But uh, it's been nice. Couple of days off. All our furniture came. We have only one box left in the house. It's mine. It's clothes. I will refuse to open it because I don't know what the clothes were. And I, our closet, you can barely even open the door to it. It looks like that Monica, you know, the, remember the Monica yeah. closet, the thing locked all the time. And, uh, and so I don't want to open that, but it's starting to like, it feels kind of like home and, and it's been nice. Uh, I, I, I will, I, I've got to knock the East coast on one thing though. And I don't understand why they don't do this. This is a, I'm not going to give it a segment. Good idea here, Max, but it's, it's worthy of at least consideration. Why doesn't one East coast team just play their basketball games at 5 PM Eastern, just one team. Like why doesn't a team that's not great 
that doesn't have a huge fan base, doesn't have the sexiest players. Why don't they just go, hey, we're going to come on at five. You know, we're the we're the 5 p.m. East Coast game because like today it's eight o'clock right now as we're chatting and sports are just starting here. Just one team do it. One team break the mold. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could just put the Knicks in because they stink, and that's probably but the only not way you could watch. This year, you, you know, could, like that. There's no reason to like plan your day around watch the Knicks. So at least put them on the five <laughs> o'clock slot. So like, if you happen to be watching TV, you like run into a Knicks game. Right. I've never, not in, not ever, but especially now in the fi- last five years, have I been excited about a Knicks game? Only time you get excited is when it's like Kobe, LeBron, or MJ is at the Garden. Like Playing that's the only them. reason you're gonna watch. Um, who do you have winning tonight? Oh, uh, oh, this will be a good podcast thing. Who do you think wins tonight? It's nine point spread, by the way, so it should not be close. But Alabama and Ohio State. I, I think Ohio State wins. Wow, they're plus nine. The win. I think they win the football game. I, wow. I don't think it, it's cover. I think they're gonna win the game. Bama, I know has one of one of the most stacked teams ever as they do every year. But I, I think Ohio state might, might pull the upset. Do you, are you going to go Bama? I uh, I'm rooting for Ohio state. I will say that I felt quite good until, cause I, I watched QB one on Netflix back in the day. And Justin Fields was one of the uh, main characters. And it was really, uh, it was really fun. I feel like, you know, you kind of feel like, you know, him a little bit. So it's, I enjoy rooting for Ohio State. To be honest, I, I hate the SEC in general, and I cannot stand watching the same season over and over again. But shout out to Alabama. I mean, they're amazing. It's just, it's a, it's just like where our brains go. I just can't keep watching the same thing. Um, but I did just watch literally before uh, we started recording a hype video from uh, somebody from Bama uh, was doing like a pregame speech and. I don't know. Got you going? It, was, it was amazing. <laughs> it was, I, I don't know. I, it made me think Ohio State doesn't even have a chance, but I did not, to be fair, get to see a hype speech from the Ohio State football team. So uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they had a good one too, but it made me more nervous uh, for, for the Buckeyes. Um, but it should be, hopefully, not should be. I hope it's a good game. I just want to watch something that's uh, competitive. Um, Shane, I, by the way, before we get too far away from, uh, uh, your work week. My feel good Friday is about you. Uh, I got to see a video uh, Cindy posted on Instagram of Henry watching you on TV. And I was thinking about how it was cute as hell, but how crazy it must be for a kid to like, <laughs> you know, TV's probably already confusing enough, but to see their dad, like in this like box on the wall, it was wild. Yeah. And he, and he kind of walk up to it and walk away. She says he does it every day. He looks so happy. He was waving, saying, hi, dad. Hi, dad. It was so cute. It's very, very cute. He is his this phase right now, Max. When you guys have a kiddo, the, the, the 18, 19 month right now where they're they're saying enough stuff, but not they're not saying everything. You know, they're, they're, they're still babbling. So it's still baby talk, but they're able to kind of move around and stuff. It's it's peak cuteness. It's I mean, and we're living in a smaller apartment. Obviously, it's not as big as the house we we're in. So, uh, you know, I'm around Henry a lot more. I mean, a lot more close spaces and just the babbling and the talking. I'm all it's in. awesome. I want to I want to ask you oh, for, oh, by the way, you asked me about my job. I did drop DVOA uh, as I was talking about a foot. I was talking about the Washington football team during my show on Golf Channel. I said they were third in DVOA. And I got some, I got some football love from some people. They're like, wow, that's wait, nice, what is nice DVOA? It's, it's this, it's this metric that measures the offense and defense. It's a super deep dive football and, and you know, insider thing outsiders and, and it's whatever. But I, I listen to Bill Barnwell occasionally and he talks about it. So I figured I'd look it up and just, drop nice. it on the show. 
uh, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, I know it matters. You know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't really understand strokes gain, but I say it a lot, you know? Well, speak, speaking of strokes gain, Shane, I saw an interesting stat today. I may have misread it, but I don't think I did. Uh, they were showing the, uh, on Instagram, I saw that Colmore Kawa led the field and fairways hit fairway percentage. It was like 87%. Now the fairways are huge. So the, differential could be really small sorry at kapalua and bryson uh led in the driving distance and um then they third the third uh picture showed uh the strokes gained off the tee for the week top 10 and bryson was number one and colin wasn't even in the top 10 so there you go that's an interesting one now (laughs) yeah it might be the differential in the sense that these fairways are enormous so i doubt somebody hit that low percentage but it's still wild to think that colin hits it you know he doesn't bomb it but he hits it you know, if you watch him, you think plenty he hits far. it pretty far. Obviously, it's pr- playing far enough to win. He's been doing it a bunch already, but uh, it was crazy to see that number. I, I, I'm imagining that part of it is just the golf course they're at, but it was a pretty eye-opening stat unless I met, read it wrong because uh, it's not a great look for the game if uh, you literally led the field in driving uh, accuracy and you weren't even – you were probably barely breaking even and gaining strokes on the entire field. As on on that note, I talked uh, in one of our first shows. I talked about Bryson and Brendan Todd being paired together. I have. I'm going to throw. This is not even a dumb idea. It's just a thought I had. I'm going to throw it at you. I am all in on Brendan Todd going kind of Benjamin Button on the driving on the PJ Tour. I want him to just keep lo- like lose weight, get to like 135, 140, hit it like 240 average off the tee and still contend and win everything. I, I want Brennan Todd to be the guy that says, you guys have the distance. I'm going to go the complete other way. Because when he, the, watching him play with Bryson, I think is incredibly fascinating to begin with. But he was on average. This is also a great thing about my new job is I get all these stats messaged to me yeah. you know, from some of the guys we have, and they're great. He was 50 yards behind Bryson on average on the par fours and par, par fives on Thursday and beat him on those holes. So yeah. It just is such a cool example of, of, of how it, we obsess over one thing, you know, especially the media currently is we love this distance thing. And we love talking about Bryson. I mean, it's sexy. It's, you know, chicks dig the long ball, right? The, the ad campaign back in the nineties. I mean, this is, this is where we are. We love seeing guys lift a whole bunch of weight. We love seeing people run really fast. We love seeing people hit baseballs and footballs really far, kick long field goals. But it is, I, I don't want us to lose the, the, the love for the guy that hits at 270 and can still compete because it's really cool. Yeah, but uh, where did Brendan finish and where did Bryson finish? I mean, did, they, did Bryson beat him? Bryson got fourth or fifth. So the point, my, the only reason I bring up this point, because I'm with you, like I think it's personally probably more fun. Eh, fun is the wrong word, but it is a cool... Uh, balance to watch a Bryson and a Brendan in the same group. The the thing about this distance thing, and this isn't just Bryson, it's anybody um, anybody uh, that hits it far nowadays. You know, all the the big guys. Um, like that's just this is just the fact is when you hit it further and you when you get on your seal your your floor is so high. I mean, like Brendan has to play so well to beat Bryson. And it was a popular thing on Thursday with, oh look, like distance isn't all that matter. It isn't the whole thing. Like it's not all that matters. Like you still need to get the ball in the hole. But it's like, yeah, but like when you hit it that far, like that might have been more like a bad round of golf. And like that's what it's that's what it's becoming. And I'm not gonna be the one to say that's good or bad. I think that's that's each person's uh like 
that it, it, it's each person's decision if they seem to enjoy that or not. I don't, it's nothing to me. I, I just compete. I'm, I'm trying to find my avenues to play better golf. Some people find that entertaining, uh, how far people hit it. Some people find what Brendan Todd does more entertaining. But the point is, is that over the course of a week and then of a season, I mean, Brendan has to play in out of 10. He has to play better than, than, uh, you know, a, a Bryson, I guess to compete because, if, if Bryson's on or DJ's on or these long, long, long guys, the guys who Tony Fina who bomb it, it's just making those birdies or, or even some pars is just so much easier. And I think that's the thing. We, we see this one round and we kind of, our eyes light up. We're like, Oh yeah, there you go. That, that proves that distance isn't all that matters. And yeah, it's like, yeah, for a day, but it's not right. match play. I mean, this is, it, you know, this is a stroke play event, Brendan, you know, I, and I'm not, I don't mean to speak for him. Maybe he didn't play well the rest of the week. I didn't really watch closely enough, but the point is, is that distance helps. I, I don't care I, if you get on, I know I played with Cameron champ, but it was very eye opening because I never really understood what insane distance was. I hit it far. I don't hit it the crazy farthest, furthest, but I, I keep up even with the long guys as far as like I'm in the realm. And then there's, but there's a few, there's five, maybe 10 guys who really hit it far. And I played with Cameron and he played nine holes. He played kind of 27 holes in, of 36 at, at rocket mortgage, like two years ago. And he, he was uh, for the 27 of the holes. He was kind of, kind of all over the place. He got some good breaks. He also made some great birdies from the rough, but he wasn't like driving it right down the middle. Um, but he was having these avenues and he made it, made, you know, made some great scores. And then for nine holes, he drove the ball so freaking well, like couldn't miss a fair when he was chipping onto par fours and he had nine iron into the par five that I had like four or five iron into. And he shot like seven or eight under on that nine holes and he was leading the golf tournament. And I was like, Oh, this is, I think this is more of a, a, in a, in a microscope, an understanding of why the distance thing is so important because for nine holes, he, he, he broke the golf course. Like he, you don't need to do that for 72. You just need to have your hot streaks. And then now granted, he did not play well on the weekend that week. I remember, cause I was very curious. I ended up, he ended up getting like 40th or 50th and I ended up beating him. And I, and I remember like as a, another competitor, like that was a point of focus for me when I saw on Sunday that I had a chance cause I wanted to prove that just because someone does that doesn't mean that you can't win, but you can't beat them. But over the course of, um, you know, a season, if he were to drive it really well for a season, uh, like Dustin seems to do year in and year out, or Rory seems to do, it's just quite difficult to play, to play bad. So my whole point with bringing that up wasn't because I don't think that Brendan Todd watching Brendan Todd is really fun. I think it's awesome. He's a tremendous player. The point is, is that I remembered that Thursday this week and everyone freaking out about how he lost to, to, uh, uh, Brendan, who was hitting it, you know, as you said, a bunch of yards behind him, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's the point of the game. I mean, I've, I, I've seen people, you know, lead tournaments and then end up missing the cut after a day. So it's like, it just doesn't, you just want golf to be as easy as possible. That's why, you know, some people play courses really well. They see them well. In this case, it's like, you know, especially get on a course like that big fairways, somebody's just going to be able to wail on it. And you take a strength away on a course like that, which is driving accuracy. Um, it no longer plays as big a role, but then if you take like, you know, at, at other events, you know, Brendan's driving is really, really helpful because like a Memphis where he, he almost won or, or contended for three, I think he was leading after three days, uh, really gnarly rough every year. And you have to be in those fairways and there's not as many of those tournaments now, but he, he, he was, you know, on, and it was really fun to watch that. So, but you know, you go to Kapalua and it just it just seems like watching the bombers out there that it, it is going to be um, it's going to be harder for them to shoot, you know, 
even when I would imagine if you hit it shorter, it's just a shade easier to shoot even. Like it's just difficult to, it's it's more difficult to make a bunch of birdies. Um, you still can, obviously. These guys are amazing, but um, it's just, I don't know. I, I it's just the way the golf's going. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch in somebody like a Brendan who's been really storming up the world rankings to see just how you know if he can do something like a Furyk's been doing his whole career, where he it just doesn't seem to affect his play because it also is in general easier to hit it straighter when you hit it shorter so it should actually be easier overall like a Ches Reeve who can just beat to death ball striking and and do it every day because I think it's much harder to do what DJ and Bryson and and Tony do that where a lot of speed uh means that there's going to be a the errors are going to be bigger so they could go on you know uh, the Ches's and the Brendan's for example could go on robot mode and while well, the other guys need to like you know they have to hope that they don't have not hope, but they have to control their big misses. And so that's, that's always the interesting uh, kind of dichotomy right now. We have so many people that hit it far that you end up not really seeing that battle as often as we did, you know, Thursday this week. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the big glaring thing, you know, brought up something you, you were saying there brought up something, I think it was Bermuda you played in. And that was that one hole you said was a really tight fairway. And, and you said, I'm going to hit driver here every day and I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage you know, you felt comfortable. You said it was a tight driving hole, but you go, I'm going to hit driver here and I'm going to beat the field on this hole this right. week. And, and, and when I, I remember I, you, you saying that, and I remember thinking to myself, as you were saying that, this is probably what a Dustin Johnson feels a lot, you know, where he's comfortable with his driver. He hits it really, really far, but he hits it really straight as well. And so there's probably four or five holes a week where he's looking at it going, I mean, I can, you know, I'm, my floor is so much higher on this hole than other people's because I can hit driver and then have a flip wedge when everybody else that might be scared of missing the fairway or have to lay back is going to hit seven iron. And then, I mean, that there's, that's just, I mean, you don't have to be a golf expert or a pro to understand how much easier it is to get a wedge close than it is a seven iron. Like Rory's made a, you know, in the last five years, even more so, but he's like, seems to make a career out of that. I played with him final round at the, uh, Liberty national playoff event, whatever the first leg was like two years ago. And like the six hole is, you know, it's really easy par five and it was straight downwind, but the water comes in at X amount of yards and everyone in the field, I'm talking like 90% of the field was hitting three wood like I did. And you'd hit a six iron up by the green because if you hit it up any further, it just got very tight and there was water, right. And you were in like an awkward spot or you, you could, it would be a, a, a very demanding tee shot and you could make it a really easy par five. So I hit three wood and I hit six iron and he hit driver up there and hit lot like sandwich in. And, but it was very apparent. It wasn't aggressive. Like I, I think on a broadcast, you someone, it would be a very lazy, but easy point to say like, Oh man, this is a bit aggressive. Instead of looking in deeper and being like, where does Rory beat people weekly? Like where's right. his strength? And it's like, well, it's this. So, and that's why I looked at, I will say with this distance boom and learning more about strokes gain, that's why I approach holes like, the one you referenced 17 of Bermuda a little differently mentally. It's like, well, where do you think you're going to beat everybody this week? Instead of saying, if I play well, I'm going to win. Well, how are you going to do that? And it's like, well, I'm driving it really well. Driving's a, a becoming a strength of my game. So I'm going to take more, you know, quote unquote risk off of the tee in order to, to kind of raise my upside. And that's what Rory does so naturally, but like, that's what he did. And it was like, not saying that like, you know, a birdie with a six iron was, 
very likely too, but you're still less likely to make birdie with a six iron or eagle with a six iron than you are that sandwich. So again, it's not that you can't beat him, but you need to find the parts. Watching Justin Thomas lately has been an art. Like he's becoming maybe the best wedge player in the world and he is playing to it. Like Tiger did that back in the day. Like very, very like calculated, but it's not that he's playing safer. He's playing to a strength. Like that's the difference. And that's what Bryson's doing. Bryson has decided essentially, or it seems like he's going to hit it as far as he possibly can. Uh, knowing that there's going to be a couple that, you know, don't work out, but he's going to make so many birdies on the good ones. that It's not going to matter. And, and so, and, and again, that, that's, that's what's so interesting now is I think people are getting, are dissecting more into how to gain strokes. And like a lot of that is distance, but it's picking your spots. You know, a lot of people have these statisticians now that tell them where they're actually better. And you, it opens your eyes to be like, Oh wait, this hole that everyone has always hit three wood on, I'm not going to. I'm going to actually hit driver. That sounds crazy, but it's like, yeah, but you know, the fairway is 40 yards wide. Your dispersion with your drivers, you know, lately is is 25, and everyone's 30. This is just random numbers, but it's like take your advantage. And I just think that it's almost like I'm looking back at the older generation, or or even like 15, 10, 15 years ago, and you would get to a hole and everyone in the group in the practice round would hit three wood just because that's what you do or three iron and no one even thought to try to hit driver and now i feel like people are kind of opening their eyes to well why not like it over the course of time it's going to benefit it's just like now in nfl how now you're supposed to go when you're down 14 you're supposed to go for two uh in the fourth quarter on the first touchdown even though if you miss you're going to be down eight but the odds are the odds say the percentages say that it it's it, in your favor to go for two on that first one. It drives everybody nuts and it drives me nuts too at times, but it's like, we're learning more. We're, we're dissecting further into uh, sports now. And you're seeing these, like these trends and in, in these actual like mathematical facts pop up and do they work every time? No, but I mean, that that's the, that's becoming kind of another fun aspect of golf. Unfortunately, it's just being labeled as, Oh, he's just hitting it really far to hit it far. But it's like, well, not every, like I, I can't swing right at this moment. I could not swing, not saying I'm going to hit it as far, but I couldn't give as much effort on my tee balls as Bryson does. Like I couldn't go 100 and whatever he's going 20% and feel comfortable enough mentally to hit those tee balls. Maybe a couple holes in the, in, in, on, uh, uh, in a year, would I do that? So he's figured that he can do that and that's awesome, but I can do things in other areas to, but it's not going to be reported on the same way. So it's going to look like I'm swinging, uh, you know, cautiously at my driver or like, you know, stock at my driver is a better way to say it. Um, and it's going to look like he's lashing out. And then there's going to be other parts of the game that don't get shown that it's like, I'm much more aggressive maybe here than, than there. But like you said before, the driving sexy, it's like the easy thing to, to look at, but it's, 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 after seeing Collins, you know, strokes game thing, it's very interesting to see just how important on some courses distance really is just like a enormous advantage. Man, I mean, there's no way to make up for it. I mean, that's just, that's the only, that's the big difference, right? Is you just, if, if I'm hitting it 20 past you and I'm hitting it, you know, relatively as straight as you are, I'm going to have a big advantage because I'm going to be hitting two less clubs in. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. So I, you, you were saying about, you know, diving into these strokes gain numbers. Is that something you've kind of done this offseason? Is, is that something you've taken a deeper look at? Have you always been involved in and around the numbers? I mean, I know you're, you're saying things have changed, but 
Is this a new look you've done and kind of going into 2021 or something you've done in past years? No, I definitely haven't ever looked into like the actual numbers. And I, I wouldn't say that I've looked into them really now, but I guess I've just reshaped how I look at holes. So okay. for instance, there is a hole at a t- stadium course at PJ West, which is the main course for the Palm Springs event coming up. And it's number five. Yeah, five. And it's a really, really crazy par five. It's a double dog leg and there's off the tee, there's water on the left. And then off the second shot, there's water on the right. It's oh, a very yeah. small green. Yeah. If you had a great drive. Is that after the par three? Is yeah, that the, the short whole... par three. Yeah. And then it's a very difficult. It's the it's the best part about the of the golf course, really. And uh, f- five, six and seven. And uh, if you hit a great drive, you can have a four or five iron in. Now, granted, it's a very hard second shot, but you have a four or five iron in. Uh, and if you had a bad one, you could be in the water, you could be right. And then you lay up and it's always been a difficult hole because I don't draw most people, honestly, nowadays don't draw the ball off the tee that well uh, with a driver and you kind you don't have to, but it really helps because it needs to like work with the fairway. That's kind of dog legging left. Um, so we've always gotten up on the tee deciding if we're going to hit three wood or driver and what we're going to do. And, and if we're going to hit driver, are we going to take it down the left? And to me, it's always like, well, if we're going to hit the driver, we might as well try to push it up there, but then whatever. It's just, it's a difficult decision. I think for everybody whether they decide to hit driver through, it doesn't matter, but like where you aim is very, it means a lot on that tee. Um, Cause you're really telling yourself where you're aiming, like what you're expecting from that hole from a good drive, the more. So, so it, for, for instance, it, of course it would be better hit driver and hit it up in the fairway and have a five or six iron. I'm sure you would gain a significant amount of strokes or, or half a stroke for doing so. However, that shot does not fit my drive. Now, Maybe that week it feels good. Like I said, I've been driving it really well. Maybe that will be a decision I will make. But the point is, is that I'm looking at it, I guess, more in those, uh, those in that terminology in that if I pull this tee shot off, I've gained X. Do I think that that helps me enough? Because then maybe the second shot doesn't, maybe it doesn't fit that, you know? So like, I guess I'm looking at holes differently. I'm not looking at the numbers of strokes gained in, in particular, but I'm looking at how to strategize a, golf tournament and a golf course based off of like a very like limited amount of knowledge of it. But I do know that like, Hey, Oh, this guy's a hidden driver up here. It's like, yeah, well on another hole that fits my eye, I might take driver and they will. We did it at Harbor town. I think on a couple, a couple holes where I was like, I feel good about my driving. And we did it at Houston this year, like certain spots where we would be a little more aggressive, even if it's just the line, knowing that we're going to beat you on this part. Um, but then also not beat ourselves on like a similar type of, uh, of a spot. So it's like a balance, but yeah, to your question, I haven't really looked into the actual numbers, but I do know that like the numbers t- obviously tell the truth, but you also have to be, you know, somewhat self-aware and honest with yourself to know, like, okay, do it would be great to gain to have a stroke off this tee, but like it, with the risk of trying to gain that for me personally, like be worth it. It's like, you don't want to stand up on a tee and not feel comfortable over tee shot just because you're trying to like, that's where you decide to win. That's where I see like someone like a Justin Thomas kicking everybody's ass lately. It's just like, yeah, well I, I right now, like I'm just going to lay up to a hundred yards. Cause I'm going to hit it to four feet. That's right. what it feels like. I'm sure to him, especially when these whole pins were in a bowl on that, uh, 13 or 14th hole at, um, Kapalua is like, it's such an easy wedge shot and everyone's hitting driver up there. And a lot of people are making birdies. Sure. But he's like, yeah, well, I, I literally am going to hit it inside of that with a wedge. Cause I just feel that good about it right now. So I think, you know, I, I, again, I don't, I don't know if he's looked into strokes game, but I bet you that's the similar type of thought process he's had is like, I'm going to beat you here and take on less risk, like quote unquote for a big number. 
Yeah, I mean, like if I make three this way, that's all that matters. It's yeah. kind of your point about when I when I brought up Bryce and Brendan, you go who won? You know, yeah. like who won between the two? It's like you can look at all the numbers and have fun with everything. And at the end of the day, for you guys, it's if you finish fifth and JT finishes sixth, you had a better week. Doesn't yeah. matter what you did statistically, but in that week, it's the statistics and dive it into your golf game to make the most sense. You know, I personally. You know, I used to spray the ball with my driver a lot. I used to have, I was not a very comfortable driver. I mean, back in, in, right out of college, I mean, I used to hit two irons everywhere. I would not hit driver off the tee at all. And, uh, and now that I've gotten more comfortable with the driver, now that I feel like the driver can be a weapon of mine, if I'm swinging at a good, there's still times where I think my mind kind of goes back to the, I'm not a great driver thought. And I, over the last year, year and a half, two years, there'll be times where I step on a hole that's tight or there's trouble. And to your point, it's like, yeah, but if you hit a good, if you just hit a good drive and make a good swing, it's going to be good to like, there's 20 or 30 yards of fairway up there, you know, or there's, there's areas to hit the ball in. And I mean, I, I, we've gone back to this a million times at that us amateur qualifier where you, you know, I'm saying, right. You know, cause OB's left. It's like, yeah, right's the miss, but the main goal is to hit it in the fairway, right. And the first goal is to hit it in the fairway. And so I, I've tried to have, I've tried to kind of change my mentality as well to to kind of your point on understanding that if you pull the shot off, you're at an advantage. Yeah, I think it's such a such a good a good point. Uh, first off, about just the fact that you you know you use the word uh, perfectly. You, people nowadays want to use their driver as a weapon, and because it, it's it's become a, a you know available and easier to do so than in the past. And then second. Uh, I've been like learning a lot more, trying to expand my like mind more about the uh, you know athletics and the game of golf and whatnot, and uh, looking deeper into like how to grow mentally. And it goes exactly to what you just referenced about that qualifier is you know we we decided we were going to hit it. You know you wanted to hit it right down the right center of the fairway, but as you're hitting it, you're still thinking about making sure you miss it in the right trees. You're giving your brain conflicting thoughts. It doesn't know what to do. So it's going to get tighter. Your body's going to get tighter as a reaction and you're not going to make as good of a golf swing. Now you still might not hit it out of bounds left, but you're, you're not, you're probably not going to hit a, make a great golf swing where and I've referenced this on the podcast a million times, but most recently in Mexico, Mexico is like freeing up your mind. And then after, you know, therefore freeing up your body, to once you've aimed and done all of the pre-shot stuff, once you're over it, you're just trying to hit a great shot. And it wherever that goes, it just kind of goes. Um, but, you know, if again, if, if you were scared of that OB on the left, well, let's move our aim line further right until you feel comfy. And now we're going to hit a great drive at whatever the hell that is. And But, like, in, to your point, you're giving yourself conflicting thoughts. That's where I would struggle to hit it, to swing really, really, really hard. Because for me, just like you, I struggled with driving for a while. And it is an uncomfortable feeling to say, I'm going to give this everything I've got. Unless I feel already pre-comfortable because like the shot fits me or something. like. So it's it's a balance. And I think right now it's not as easy as people say is just to start hitting it further. I think that it takes a bit of a mental thing. That's what Bryson seems to be tremendous at that he's not getting a ton of credit for. Is that letting it loose is not 
simple. Like that's right. not just like a, Oh, I hit it far now. So I'm going to let it rip. Like when you get onto a range and you're swinging as hard as you can, I can get my speed way up. And Bryson, even like you can see it on the coverage, his speed is at 210 when he wants to on, on the range and on the course, it's like 190, 195. And the point is he's training himself to be able to swing smooth, quote unquote, to hit at 190, 195. But second, it takes a lot of guts to go full on out. And I don't think a lot of people have that. He seemed to be doing it better, but he, like I said, he's kind of trained his body to get used to that. It's kind of like why people will swing a heavier uh, baseball bat and then go up to the plate because it feels really light. Um, and he's kind of doing something similar to that, uh, I think, speed training wise. But man, like the mental aspect of that is, is quite difficult. And I, I don't think it, it is as uh, easy as just, oh, just learn how to hit it further. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. I had a couple questions about Harris English. Obviously, he won this weekend at the Century Tournament of Champions. Uh, the, you know, we talked a lot about this on our show the week that that it was. You know, starting from that first round with Harris. So, I wanted to ask you as a as a player about this. Do you guys start to see the the change early with players that have either slumped or struggled? Like, is the, do you see it in them? Like, can you see on the range, you know, a guy has, I mean, I know you play with, with Fratelli who, and he was kind of on a run, right? Like, can you see that? Can you feel that from the guys? Like you feel like they're confident they've got it. They, like they, they've even turned the the corner if, if it's been a big struggle. I mean, can you guys all feel that from certain players? Or, I mean, I know you're in your own world, but surely you're, you're looking at it enough to understand well, I mean, Harris English, who missed a whole bunch of cuts in, you know, over the course of a couple of years, hey, he looks like he's kind of found it now. Yeah, no, I would say like not at all. I, I, I wouldn't have even known Harris struggled unless you like unless people okay. had been talking about it. No thought on either like either if they're playing great or playing poorly kind of thing. No, yeah, I, I like I even you know when I was playing really bad in 2017, Joel told me like last year that or two years ago that he had no idea, and I thought everybody knew, you know. So it's like interesting. No one really. Not that nobody cares, but it's hard to see. You you need you would need to be following somebody week to week. I guess like the thing is, I know I, I've grown up playing a little bit with Harris. He's always been a little older because um, that's how age works. You're always a little older, but he uh, we were, we didn't overlap a ton like in golf. But I did play with him at the USAM for the first time ever uh, at. Um, chambers bay and i played with him i'm like man this guy's like really good like he had, he seemed to hit it like better than most people like to randy's point like he was absolutely flushing it and uh but you could tell like he had a different noise so forever when you see harris you're I was just like oh yeah he's a really good player like i know okay. that he is i've seen his name all through college i've seen him hit golf balls he's very very good um so yeah the confidence thing's t- tough i mean some people are like naturally like daniel Berger is somebody who walks around uh who who you could just tell like that's a confident dude. Um, but again, I didn't even know he was struggling until he won colonial and they talked about how much he'd struggle. I knew he was hurt, but like, I didn't know what the extent of it. So it's really hard to keep up with. Um, you know, there, there's obviously some players that are more in the media. So like you would know exactly how Jordan Spieth is playing right now. Cause it's talked about 24 seven, but right. I would say for like 80 to 90% of the tour, it's really, it would have to be a really good friend of mine for me to watch and know what's going on because I would have to track each week and like have them start or at least be aware of it. But like someone like Harris, who again, I like the dude, but we're not, you know, and he, we're not like best buddies by any means. He like, 
I just know he's really good. So I just assume he's always playing pretty good, you know? And, and I, I guess now I look back and realize I didn't see him contending as much, but even then it's hard to quantify that. Cause there was a year, Daniel Summerhays, I felt like was, you know, around the lead, almost what felt like for me every week after Friday, I always thought I saw his name after Friday. And then I found out that he finished 170th on the FedEx cup that season. It's like, yeah, because I you lose track at some point, but you see these certain names I feel like that pop up on the leaderboard, and maybe they just catch your eye, and then you realize at the end of the year that oh man, they didn't have a great year. Sunday obviously is a you know you can you shoot one over and go from somewhere where it looks like a great week to a pretty shitty week pretty quick, and uh, nothing really went wrong. So Harris is one of those guys though. They when if you watch him on the range, you're like yeah, this guy's awesome. Like different, hits it different. Like it's again, that's not the whole part of the game is the noise of it, but he makes it really good. You know his audio, the golf balls is, is really cool, and he obviously is a phenomenal ball striker and, and good putter and all that stuff. So, but it's really hard to keep track of Like there's just so much going on. And again, you can say, man, this guy's been playing so good. It's like, yeah, well, every Sunday he shoots 74. So is he playing that good? But it's like, yeah, but he is, I see his name all the time, but it's like, yeah, but you know, you just shot. And so why one of the dumbest things ever is like the backdoor top 10. It's like, it never, I get that you were never in contention, but like, isn't that the whole point is it's four days and like ninth is still better than 15th. So not saying that pe- people are saying not to try, but like it, it's still an impressive week. I don't care when you shot your low round, but that's somebody like a like like to your question. It just I I wouldn't be able to keep tabs on it enough unless I really was focusing on somebody for like almost a whole season. I love the backdoor top ten take. By the way, it's just so good. You know why? Because every round matters. What I've never understood about it is if a Rory who gets this a lot. If Rory shoots 74 in the opening round, like if I shot 74 in an opening round, I would want to play better after that every round. It's like, why are we killing the guy? Like you can kill the guy for his Thursday round if you want, but if he shoots 67 on Sunday and gets in the top 10, like, his total score for the week was better than the guy that finished 11th. Yeah. It's our moving day. Yeah. You want to move every day. You just want to move forward. <laughs> it's like everybody says, you know, so well, it's because he was never in contention, but it's like, would it be, have been any better had he shot that the first day and then shot 72 at the end, you would be crucifying him for that. So there's no, I mean, there's no winning in golf. You, you win so rarely anyways, that it's like, look at someone like Tony Finau gets so much grief for not winning. And I mean, I get, it. I'm sure he, it bothers him too, but it's like, I don't know. Like, it will happen. It's just, it's, it, it, some of it's fickle. Getting a lot of top tens is, is impressive. I look at somebody like Xander uh, Shoffley. He hasn't won in a long, long time, like two years, maybe a year and a half, two years. And he's fourth in the world right now, fifth in the world. Like, so, you know, it's not the whole thing. Obviously we want to see our favorite players win, but at the same time, it's just playing consistent golf, consistent, good golf as much as you can. And, uh, at the, at the highest, uh, in the biggest events too. And that's what a lot of guys, you know, a lot of the best guys do. You have people like Justin Thomas and, 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 you know, Rory and Dustin who win a lot too, but even they go on like slumps quote unquote for like a season where it's only once or twice. But I mean, tiger has really, really ruined this for a lot of people. Like we're used to people being great and then them winning five times and winning a major every year. Like that's just, it's not, it just does not seem like that's, that's normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not normal. I mean, that, that's why you, you, if you historic, if you look back historically, I mean, Jack had a run. Arnie had this crazy run in the early, whatever, like late fifties, early sixties, the tiger run. But you know, I mean, Phil Mickelson was in contention at a lot of majors and, and, and didn't, and, and lost a lot more than he won. Right. I mean, yeah. 
it's really hard to do it. Uh, I, I, by the way, on the show this week, because there's going to be a cut, we're implementing your cut idea. I'm going to do it on Let's Saturday's go. show. We're going to focus go. on it on Saturday's show. So if you watch golf today, we're going to look at guys that made the cut. We're going to find two or three players that had a crazy back nine or something. And we're going to highlight those players. Then we're going to revisit how they, what they did on, on Monday show, what they did on Sunday to finish to your point, quote unquote, back to our top 10. Well, Hey, you made the cut. You got a chance to do it. That, that's the important part. So we're going to do that this week. I have a dumb idea for you. Oh, God, yes. So I was watching Sung Jay's swing. Okay, so I, I, I feel like there's been a couple swings. Furyk's is a good example where if you had golfers attempt the Jim Furyk swing, it probably wouldn't have gone well. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, Matt Wolf's like the new one. Everyone's tried it. So now, now Wolf, and then there was the, the Hideki pause, I feel like, was another. So the Sung Jay tempo is so slow that I want to start the Sung Jay challenge. And I want golfers across the country or even the world to film themselves trying to Sung Jay a ball. And you only get one attempt. You only get, you get one swing. This is an edit. I don't want you edited in this thing. This isn't Photoshop world. You get one Sung Jay swing. And let's see what the result is. I'm going like 40% whiffs. No, I don't know. I guess it depends on the level. I bet you if you are a, a now I got to be careful of this because people get real mad when I say not great golfers, but let's just say you aren't an accomplished golfer. I would so imagine like a one hand. No, I don't know. It, that's honestly up to your, your, your call there, everyone. Um, I, uh, I would imagine if you're not a super accomplished golfer, uh, like, changing up your tempo, your backswing would be really awkward. I imagine now, maybe I'll try it tomorrow just to see what, if I'm way off, but I'd imagine if I slowed down the takeaway and then sped it up like normal speed halfway back, like he does, I don't feel like it would be it would definitely be more difficult and awkward, but I don't feel like it'd be a huge difference because we've all done the drills where we'll stop it, pause the club halfway back and then make a full swing and like hit the golf ball uh, and, and hit it fairly normal. But I don't know. It's definitely different. He, it's very, he places it and, you know, kind of puts it in place right off the bat and then he kicks it into gear, like hip high. Uh, and he does not miss a shot ever. The guy is it's a literal robot. Watch though. I, I, I watched his swing a lot. You know, he just, we had highlights and you're watching it. And I guess maybe I haven't paid enough attention to his golf swing. You know, like I watched him play. Yeah. This is an American media bias, like not you. I'm just saying it is crazy to think that. I mean, for a good reason, Matt Wolf and and Colin Morikawa have gotten so much attention. And then you look at someone like Sungjae or Joaquin, who are the same age. I think Joaquin, I think, might be younger than younger than Colin. And you know, it's just a, a Sungjae's swing is probably not as well, nearly as well known as the other guys. For again, there's reasons, but Sungjae's had a phenomenal career already. I find it like maybe the most fascinating move in golf right now. It's, it's cool just the to say, God, it's, it's just, cool. The, it's just perfect tempo. I mean, I don't think it, I, I love, you know, you and I talked about this a couple of episodes ago about, you know, the, the new instructor you're working with and, and matching kind of your body to the swing, right? And like what your body's capable of doing. Sungjae to me is a swing where it works for that guy. And, and I'm not sure it worked for anybody else out there, you know, professionally, but that's my idea is the Sungjae challenge. I'd like to see some uh, average, you know, super big hack five handicaps do it um, just so we can get a feel for it. By the way, how, how did social, how did you do on social? Well, how did I, that go? Are people mad about it? I'm so, I just don't get it. I, I don't, I'm playing, I'm playing. It's myself 
PJ Tour player, Colt Nose, ex PJ Tour player. We're giving a guy, I'm giving someone 10 shots in my group, and I say that he's not a great golfer, and I get crucified. <laughs> well, this is the internet, man. You can't say anything. You know what that. is that? It, it, it went, I, I was just having this conversation today, and I know a lot of people said this, and I know it's kind of a tired thought, but it isn't, it just isn't that much fun anymore. You know, the no. internet was the most fun place for basically my entire adult life. I mean, like reading old Bill Simmons page two stuff and early dead spin. And I'm, I'm thinking, I was thinking to myself, I can't believe that there's humans out here that write like this about sports. And then Twitter happens and you're like, I can follow. Remember when we pulled up some of your old tweets and you're yeah. asking people to, to give you a ride back from an airport. I mean, that seems like eight generations ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's sad. like, I saw someone, uh, the comments of some, uh, uh, Instagram post today and it was something and somebody commented and I goes, Oh yeah. And then like the third comment said, uh, they were wrong. Like they misread like the graph or something. And somebody responded, Oh, it seems you're too stupid to read this graph, but that's not what that meant. It's like, can you just like let them know or not comment, like move <laughs> along. Like how, I don't get it. I mean, people tell me, oh, you, 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 you're acting real high and mighty, uh, not understanding how the, the, you know, what, how good a five is in the grand scheme of golf. It's like, I never said that at all. I just, I just said, they're not great. Well, I'm playing somebody. And how am I, if I said that he's great, how good is Colt? Is Colt the greatest golfer of all time? He's giving (laughs) a great golfer more than a stroke, more, more than half of the strokes he's giving him a pop on. Like, it wasn't even a thought of like, I think fives are awesome. I looked, I saw all the stats. You guys sent me a million of them. It's in the top like one or 2% of all golfers, but I'm, I, I guess it's all relative, but like the whole point is like people really didn't like it. Like, but I get it. Like handicap thing is a big deal. You guys all sent me all of your handicaps and why you are one. You used to be a one. Now you're a four because you had kids or your arm. Oh, or something. So I got brutal. all that, which is again, it's fine. But the, the, my whole thing with social media and like these, some of these tweets, it's not that I don't appreciate you guys sending those answers. Like I like learning and conversing with everybody. The point is, is, is that the, the crux of the tweet was completely missed. Like, right. It, it, that, I wasn't saying that fives are bad. I asked, do you think a five is a great golfer? And this is coming from someone who is a great golfer. And then I was told I'm not a great golfer because only great golfers, like the top five of each generation, which I was like, well, now we're like, Maybe I'm wrong, but now we're getting really in deep into the woods. It's like, <laughs> then I was like, wait, okay, wait. well, it's, it's like, it's like Dustin. No, yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I, I was very over, but I was going to ask. I said, okay, pick your five. Cause I'll find you a six that you're going to have to name. And then I'm going to find you a seventh. You're going to have to name. And then I'm going to get you up to 12 where you're going to have to say, those are all great players. And your stupid, only five people are great thing is going to go right out the window, but whatever. It was kind of funny. I mean, it was, I got a lot of like good responses too, but it's just, People took very much offense, a lot of offense to me saying that fives are not great at golf. So I'll take it back. You guys are literally the, the greatest. You guys are all the greatest golfers. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. I, I need to say something here, and I'm going to say it for Max and I. Max, I'm going to speak for you here. Please. If you're starting any message or if you're saying this out loud, if you're ever diving in and explaining your handicap any deeper than just what the number (laughs) is, we're good. We don't need to know it. Nobody needs to know it. It's like your fantasy team. It's in that same breath. 
I don't need to know why you're a five, why you're a 10, or why you're a two. You're a two. You're a five, or you're a 10. The reason you're that is because the scores you type in the app on your phone tell you that's what your handicap is. Don't need to know you had a kid or you had knee surgery. Uh, in the same light, uh, Riggs gets uh, from Barstool gets a bunch of grief for uh, being a, a five. And like, first off, handicaps are not, it, this goes back to the Steph Curry. Handicaps are not based off of what your average score is. It is what you, your, your good day should be. It's not your average. So just because you're a five does not mean that you uh, shoot, you don't shoot seven every single day. Every round, no. right. So it's it's more towards your peak than your than your average. Um, but the other thing, like people are tell people on the internet like to tell people what their handicap should be, and I've never understood that. Like I I I've recently played rigs. Like we played for like you know something, and I'm giving him strokes based off his handicap. Would he want to give me a like? Does he want to lose? Like he's not like people don't lie about their handicap. I saw a kid post this post a video of his swing and ask me, you know, what his handicap is. Somebody, I didn't comment on it, but somebody under it commented and said, Oh, you're, you know, eight or nine. And he goes, Oh, actually I'm a plus one. And the guy's like, there's no shot. You're a plus one. It's like, what? Like why? First off, why are you arguing with a stranger? He just told you what his handicap is. You think you're going to convince him to be like, Oh no, just Josh and bro. I'm like an eight. No, he's just like, that's just what his handicap is. And second, like, if he did decide to lie about his handicap, why does that affect how you view <laughs> this guy's golf swing? Like it's just, none of this matters. Like you're not going to play him. If you ever do play him and he, and you think that he's not that handicap, but he plays to it. Guess what? Play you're going to win. Yeah, you're going to win. It's going to be money. awesome. It's going to be so tight. By the way, speaking of things that piss me off, but it's actually my best thing I heard this week. <laughs> the reason it's in the best thing I heard this week is it's also one of the worst things I heard this week. Your show, Golf Today, is officially a certified golf talk show because I was watching it and got fucking furious about something I was listening to, which makes it, this is why it's in the best thing. You guys are legit because I've never watched a golf talk show or really a sports talk show where at some point my blood didn't boil about how dumb I thought it was. But you guys had Jaime Diaz on, one of the uh, prominent uh, you know, professional golf uh, you know, reporters, broadcasters. And he was talking about how John Rom needs to control his emotions because all the best players seem to really control their emotions. John Rom is number two in the world. He was number one in the world like two months ago. That's in the world like this entire earth uh, at, at the game of golf. He's been number one in the world when he was an AM. He's been a legitimate superstar since I've ever heard the name. Not picking on Jaime because he's not the only person to do this. I really think this is the most over-talked about subject in like maybe minus Bryson's distance, but in, in golf, he does not need to control his motion. If he decides, and I know he's mentioned that he's worked on his motion. Maybe he has gotten better in his opinion, unless he's saying that I want to show no emotion. And that is what's going to make me a 10 time major champion. I just don't get how it's an issue. He's literally the second best at this sport of everybody in the world. Like I don't get how you can say he literally said like, um, you, you know, to him, to, to, to Jaime, like the best players he's seen have all had, have all been able to control their emotion. Well then add in an outlier. Cause he's obviously one of the other best players you've seen. Cause he's number two in the world and has been number one in the world. And he's like 25 years old. So there you go. Congrats on having a real, you have a real golf show. I got you. We got you mad. God, I mean, that's, that's, oh, that's what we're, that's what we're it off. for. I, um, 
I, my thing on the ROM deal is this kind of goes back to what we're talking about with the swing. It's not the same for everybody. Yep. Like everybody can be different. And if John Rom gets really frustrated and it works for him, that's fine. It might not work for Phil Mickelson or you or Bryson or whomever, but I'm with you on the fact that whatever John Rom's doing right now in golf is working because he's number two in the world. And there's probably a chance he's going to be number one in the world at some point if Dustin doesn't keep winning everything. So I, 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 I'm glad we got you fired up. I'm glad we got you upset. I'm glad we got your blood boiling. Um, that's, I mean, that, that's where, that, that's what I'm looking for. Just trying to get Max upset. I mean, there you go. We did it. Oh, uh, do you have any more, do you have any more flies? <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got the, so we were speaking about the internet. I've got two, and these are, these, I'm going to call them internet dumbest things I heard this week. Wow. This could get real dumb. Well, be, well, it, it's, it's, it's basically on the heels of what we talked about, which is people just comment about everything and they're just mad about everything. I posted you know, I did that the the dive in in the 1972 tournament of champions. I've been I'm going to do this every week. We're going to go back and forth where we find the tournament that doesn't get all the the hype and the fanfare of 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 past tournaments like the 2000 Mercedes does with Tiger and Ernie. So I posted the video. So in, in the TV biz, occasionally you'll set something up, Max. I, I know you're a media member. We're we're going to get you on the on the TV media side at some point. You set something up with something you remember. So I'm going to tell you a story about something you don't know. The easiest way to get you interested is I tell you something you do know. And then I go, you know that, but you don't know this. Ah, this is a clever trick. Someone comments on my video. Uh, everybody knows because we, we started the highlight with some of the highlights from Tiger and Ernie. Well, everybody knows that one. And it was like basically calling me a complete idiot. Everybody knows the 2000s. The first tournament I think of when I think about Kapalua. I, you know, I, if anybody doesn't know this, they're not a golf fan at all. It's like, so that was four seconds of a three-minute video. Yeah. So you didn't watch the video. You didn't watch it. You didn't watch one second of the video, and you commented, which is not great. It goes back to my importance of a thumbnail, though, Shane, why you guys now need a thumbnail for your show, because that guy probably only looked at the thumbnail and was like, I've seen this a million times. Yeah, come on. Early, this early Thumbnails Tiger, everybody's seen this. The other, the other one I got was, you, you already brought this up. I asked, I asked Justin Ray how many, I said, you know, there can't be a lot of walk-off Eagles when Harris English hits it really close on 18. If he makes Eagle, he wins. If he makes birdie, obviously, it goes to a playoff. I said, there can't be a whole bunch of walk-off Eagles in the history of golf. And uh, That was and funny. Guy, I laughed at this. And, and some guy wrote, um, he, he's, he's, what, he got really mad about, it wasn't the Matt Wolf one. Um, it, was, it was something, somebody made one that in, it was like five, ten years ago. And he was really mad about the fact that that wasn't the one I was talking about. Yeah. Um, well, I, I thought you were going to say uh, the Matt Wolf one, just because I laughed that there couldn't be very many ever. And like a year and a half ago, there was one just like randomly. You got you got caught in the uh, bad timing. But, but, um, I, but I don't I don't think it was. I, I don't no, think I don't, I don't think, think it was. It, I'm just saying it's always funny. It was like, man, that never happens. Like, well, it actually happened like a week ago. Well, I, mean, I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to more think like I know Justin Ray has every stat in the history of golf probably on his laptop, but you know, I mean, has it happened? No, no, times? no. That's what I'm saying. That's what your, your, your question and point was right. It's just always funny when someone says, you know, because it, it, one of those times was obviously not that long ago. I know that there's one when, uh, who, who made it at Bay Hill to be, um, Greg Norman and one of his many heartbreaking losses. Craig Perry made one. Craig one Perry time. made one. Gomez, at Durrell, yeah, Gomez uh, made one. Gomez, that's who it was. He spun it in the hole. Yeah. So there's not been not been a lot because we would know all of the, you know we probably have seen all of them. 
But uh, that was just – I was just more laughing at when you oh, said – you know what? I know which one it was. I know who the guy – I know what the one he was saying now. It was it was the David Duvall when we shot 59. Oh, and that guy was all fired up. That. But that wasn't, a, that wasn't a walk-off at all. I, I think he won by one. Yeah, I think he made it. Oh, I thought he won by, by two. Okay. We'll have to look. Maybe, Maybe you, right. you might be right. Maybe you're um, right. So that, the best thing I heard this week uh, came from my wife, uh, which was we're on the couch last night. You know, it's East Coast. It's, it's like right around 9 p.m. Um, she's on her phone doing whatever. I'm watching the end of the tournament. And Harris misses the putt. And I tweet out. I said, when golf goes to a playoff, we all win. Mm. Okay. I tweet that out. I'm not kidding, Max. Six seconds later, she looks over at me and goes, how much longer is yeah. golf going to be? We all is very relative. I almost deleted it. I, my, my wife almost made me delete a tweet, and she didn't respond on Twitter about it, obviously. Just responded in human form. Yeah. And I went, well, that, my tweet's wrong. That was a, that was a yeah. Kind of sniffed that one out. If you're in the right room, you're right. If you're in most of our <laughs> normal settings, you're wrong. Because there's always somebody who doesn't, not always, but there's oftentimes somebody who does not want that golf on any longer. Yeah, well, so anyway, that, that and, and then also somebody commented about their DraftKings lineup as well. So that was one Sick. of the reasons they were mad about the, their playoff, too. I know you love that. Uh, what, do you, what do you have for flights? I have one more worst thing, but I've complained so much on this. I, I, I'll just say it quick. I, well, let's hear some positive from you. I want to hear Let's hear a positive. I'm getting deep into the pos- positivity. I started, uh, I'm listening to an audiobook. I actually bought a book uh, to read, literally. Uh, I haven't done that in a while about like a self-help type thing. So I'm getting deep into the brain. Nice. Uh, so that's been fun. So being positive, being the first one I'm listening to uh, audiobook is called The Power of Now. It's just about being very much in the present. Uh, I'm very early into it. I think I've listened to an hour of eight hours of the uh, or one of eight hours of the uh, audiobook so far, but it's been fun focusing on uh, it kind of starts with self-awareness. I feel like you have to know where your brain's going or your mind's going your thoughts and then you know, cluing into then how it's affecting your, your body and being honest with yourself. So that's been fun. Um, uh, other than that, I haven't really done a whole lot, to be honest with you. I've just been, uh, laying low and staying at home. So Scovern's birthday today. So happy, happy birthday to Joe. Nice. I got to shoot him a text. I, uh, how old, how old do you think Scov is? Let's have a guess. Do you know? Well, yeah, it wouldn't be as fun if I just told you. you. Can I guess? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go 32. You're wrong. You're wrong by a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Yeah. What? I know. He's the best-looking 40-year-old there is. He looks like he's in his 20s. Wait, he's 40? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't Welcome think he's ever going to... Let me, let me give... I might give, Skav a, I might give Skav the best compliment he's ever received in his life right here. I think Skav at 40 might look better than Adam Scott at 40. Yeah, I'm Scott's ripped up. I mean, wow. That's I, I am. I am rarely speechless. That, yeah. that is, that is basically left me speechless. Thank you for that. Uh, I, that's all I got. I don't have, nothing, I have nothing. I've got nothing <laughs> else for the podcast. I, I am. I'm, I'm, my brain is in a different place. Now. Scovern is 40 years old. Holy crap. Um, do you have any more flight chain? No, I died. I'm telling you, I'm done. It's, it's all I got. I do have some good news. I've got some really good news. If you've made it this long in the podcast. I think we have steak walk shirts this week coming on uh, on our on our imperial site. So if you want to join the steak walk um, crew, the cold steak walks, if you live where I live, then uh, then that's that. I hope Ohio State wins. So this makes so I sound smarter in the podcast and people are listening to this. Um, 
And, uh, and that's it. Watch, uh, watch our show on Golf Channel. We're, we're on Wednesday through Sunday, but you can watch every day if you'd like. Uh, you can get mad if, you're, if you want to get mad. You can get happy if you want to get happy. We're going to have the cut thing on Saturday, which I'm really excited about, kind of focusing on that. And then uh, it's on Damon this week to do the deep dive into the old tournament that we forget that I'm excited. Because there's got to be a million Sony ones, right? I mean, there has to be some deep, old-school Sony open ones that are going to be uh, – that are going to be interesting to, to, to dive into. Uh, where's your nervous level on a scale from one to 10, 10 being, holy crap, I got to find a new partner on the Aaron Rodgers thing. Yeah. I, I from all accounts, he's going to play regardless. So it's the, it's the, it's the week after the Super Bowl. So I think he's hopefully he brings the trophy. I mean, be a, you, could, you could have, you could have a real rough partner, dude. If he, <laughs> if he wins and then we win, pebble Ooh, man we we need we need we, we need this to happen I'm, I'm gonna be rooting for it uh max i'm excited for you to get back to the pga tour golfing next week uh i'm also excited for sony this week i i like this golf course i asked by the way i, I wondered your thoughts on this i asked uh john wood easiest walk on the pga tour and he said this week it's very up there you're yeah it's hawaii there's almost not a single hill on the golf course i'm trying to think what would be easier there's got to be something similar but it's easy it's a good good walk you always yeah that's a really good question you could ask guys is you could probably ask them all their favorite courses and i bet you most of them come back as like some of the flattest courses (laughs) they're like i like i i remember i did i caddied a danville lpga event one time blackhawk country club yeah, Reen Show said it's the hardest walk of any pro tournament, like LPGA, PGA, or whatever. And uh, we had a cart. We had a caddy on the back of a cart going up the hill, and the cart flipped up backwards. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, no, no offense. It is not the hardest walk. I mean, TPC Stonebrae's up there. I still think that's harder, but it is hard. It's crazy. You got the steep, it's got the steep paths. You have like, it's kind of like a sprint and <laughs> as opposed to a marathon. Like you have these really short but really difficult portions of it uh that are that are just like straight up and straight down um but then you get places like kapalua where you're literally never not on a hill like you're either looking like either sideways or you know it's going straight down or straight up it is that is the worst kapalua has to be the worst walk in all of golf i mean you can see it that's why the views are so cool but like it's like a miserable walk I asked, we asked Bones the day before. I said, is this the hardest walk? And he said, it's this in Augusta, but he goes, it's got to be this. It just, he said, hey, how, just about, how about everybody complaining about Joaquin not hitting uh, any range balls in between uh, his finish and then the playoff? And he's 22 and it's like 80 degrees and humid <laughs> in Hawaii. Like he's, I think he could figure it out. He's and the good. first tee shot, the tee shot's like the easiest tee shot on the planet. You literally just hit as hard as you can. And he hit it, and he hit it so hard. Yeah. You know, it's like, he's he 22 years rip, old. That rip hard hook. Uh, I mean, I, I will. Can I say as a, as a non-pro, I was watching that. Not with the person, with any of the broadcasters saying this. I did, was thinking to myself, at what point is he going to go hit balls? Or is he going to go the range, do whatever? The range is like a mile away. So that away, was probably right. played. So it's probably played a part in it. Yeah, he, I mean, he went and hit some putts. Like, you know, obviously like 20, 30 minutes before the thing got going. But yeah, when you're 20 years old, you're like, I don't need to hit balls. You know my theory? I'm better when I don't hit range balls, and I'm 37, yeah, for God's sake. For so, sure. I mean, he's got 15 years on me. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Hopefully, the shirts will be up this week. If they are, um, you know, buy two. Buy one for yourself, and then if you get, you know, steak juice on the shirt, you have a replacement. And uh, thanks, everybody, for the nice comments about the show and for watching. Um, we'll keep on rocking and rolling. And also, I'm going to buy a car tomorrow. Not going to tell you what it is, what kind it is. I'm just going to send you a picture. 
Okay, is it a Tesla? No. You think uh-huh. I'm, Come on, man. I'm not max home of money, man. I'm just over here in this apartment just trying to get by. You save money with the electricity. Well, whatever. I mean, just send me a picture. <laughs> Hopefully it's sick. Uh, don't forget to wash your hands after you buy it. <laughs> Bye, everybody. I was trying to think of something. <laughs> Get a Grip with Max Home and Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.